Are you aware I wrote a book? (laughs) Of course you are, unless you're a first-time listener. I wrote a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People about my experiences at some of the most notoriously haunted locations in the world. Find out why Johnny G's Beat says one of my 2020 favorites or why Christina says wonderfully written and exciting. Katie says it's one of her best reads ever. Corey says it's paranormal investigating with heart. Head on over to Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble and just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by me, Kitsy Duncan. Don't die on me now, please. <laughs> <sighs> Not yet. Not today. Not today, Satan. <laughs> oh. Just in case y'all were wondering, you're listening to Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Nick Floyd. She slowed down just for a second because I started taking a sip of water. I literally did. I was like, I'll just take it nice and slow. and. <laughs> I just had uh, to explain it in case people were like, wait, what just happened? Because you <laughs> slow down significantly. Very, It's like you hit the brakes very quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, with my personality disorders, it happens all the time. You don't know if I'm about to pop into a Moira accent or, you know, my Southern accent. Or, and those are the only two I've got. Yeah. Unless you want to go to Wisconsin. Hey, there, don't you know? Um. So I'm coming, I'm coming hot off of watching uh, the latest paranormal activity, Nick. I wish I could have stopped you before it was too late. Yeah, apparently I was at the end when I texted, when I let Nick know I was watching it. And he's like, no, just stop now. I'm like, but wait. Yeah, it's, um, I, I've, I've watched them all and I'm glad we're diving right in to this because this is really all I have to talk about except for like very little Halloween uh, things that happened coming off of Halloween but I've seen them all loved the first one and blew me away Mm -hmm. and they kind of became like the Saw movies where you watch them to see what inventive ways where they put the camera and where the story would go and what they do with Katie and all this stuff and so like them rebooting I was like cool the pandemic happened. They could have shot this whole movie in secret. No one knew it was coming. No one was spoiling anything. And then it came out and everyone critically obliterated it. Just blew it into smithereens. And I was like, oh, shit, well, that's not good. But it's horror. So critics hate horror. Like, I mean, they do yeah. comedy as well. <clears throat> and then the writer, who is the writer-director of the beloved films Happy Death Day... Happy Death Day to you and Freaky. He wrote the movie and he tweeted and he's like, listen, we worked really hard. We gave it everything we had. We feel like we made Did a good movie. I, listen, I read this tweet and I was like, okay. The, it was Friday that I read. It was the day the movie, the movie came out Thursday. It's Friday I read the tweet and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to do it. Because I, I respect the dude for tweeting out that like we gave it everything we got. Yeah. We tried. We wanted to give you something different. 
it wasn't the same haunting story. And I was like, all right, dude, cool. You have my attention. And then I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to let you, I I have some quirky, you know, I mean, it was, it was a horror movie that none of them are, you know, like, oh my God, I've been blown out of the water unless they're, it's, it's a something brand new, like the first paranormal activity. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to let you hit it hard and I will give you my notes when you're done. Hit it hard, Nick. Well, I, and I, if you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted about this, and it was a joking way, but I, I wasn't joking. I was genuinely uh, upset. I had sent multiple text messages out to friends who, who also are fans of the films. I love a good monster movie. I do. Like, give me monster movies all day long. That's fine. If it's un- unassociated to any franchise except for, like, Cloverfield, which if you slap Cloverfield before any movie title, I'm like... I'm in. Let's go. This could be the worst thing ever. I'm a sucker uh, for those it's movies. It's like a Sharknado movie for me. Love right. them. Yeah. It's the same. Like, we have them. But the biggest problem with Paranormal Activity Next of Kin is that there was zero paranormal anything in the movie. Mm-mm. Except for, like, a throwaway sequence where there's, like, clearly a ghost, which at by the end, you don't really know if it's a ghost. You, it's... I know. I saw a shadow figure at one point, and I'm like, oh, it's on. Like when she was under the bed and moving the camera around yes. trying to look above it. I, I'm like, oh, that's a fucking shadow figure. Here it is. It's time. And then nothing. Yeah. I was like, this is a great sequence. She clearly is being stupid as shit. She finds a little door. She goes in yeah. it. Then I'm Dumb like, ass. Hey. It's like, this is a stupid situation you put yourself in, but... You know, you got to get what you got to get for the shot and nothing happened. And then she goes and hides under the bed and something lays on the bed. And I'm like, was it a ghost or was it this like demon creature who she says was her mom who lived in a hole? Or was it one of the Amish? We don't even know. It could have been um, Jebediah. We don't even know. (laughs) I mean, that was my thing. Aside from the little ghost, which... in the window when she's looking out the window and seeing the red and the thing which was never explained um, the face in the window behind her aside from that which was a scene that was completely thrown away uh, there was nothing paranormal ghostly spooky like footprint nothing in the movie they went travel channel and fucking demons yes they legit went the demon route yeah, and and I tried so hard to strip away. So I, I was mad about that, and I was like, "You don't. It, there's nothing. You're not even rebooting. You just okay. have created a new movie with a new creature that's not even a ghost. It's just like no. It, this well, thing. it's kind of a rake-ish type thing. Yeah, that's, but that's think, not a ghost. <laughs> no, and it was cool. Like it was cool going. There were a, there were sequences that were neat, like going down in the hole was neat but it was so stupid that I was like what do you why would you anyone in their right mind be like okay this is clearly a thing for sacrifices let me strap myself in and go for a little rock climbing dive like tell me how you really feel Nick that's logical (laughs) so I tried so hard I was like cool okay I thought about the the writer's tweet and I went back and I was like all right so let me just try to view this from the perspective of if we took Paranormal Activity off the title and this movie was just next of kin, how would I Perfect. feel about it? How would I feel? And then I thought about 
the package, the whole package, everything about it. Yeah. And then I realized, and and you, not only do you uh, direct the sh- the ra- your ra- your shows, you are in them and you edit them, so mm-hmm. you know, you know how everything comes together. You know that you can take someone's reaction if you're shooting with one camera. You can take the reaction and splice it in, and that's fine, mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. But there was not a single moment in this movie that even made an effort to tell us how we were getting to watch this footage. Oh, I know. Like like the <laughs> Blair Witch found footage vibe? I, no. It's like everybody took off and... Yeah. yeah. So like did someone here... find the cards and then decide to edit I... this documentary into like, here's what we found? I, I, yeah. Who got I... the audio gear when Homeboy died? And how did we jump to the cop car? Like That what? was unexpected with his little Dutch boy haircut. Homeboy. <laughs> like six foot seven. I wanted to punch him in the face most of the movie. I'm not going to lie. I worried about him around those little girls every time. Um, so here's, here's my takeaway of it. As somebody who does film, star in, produce, and edit a reality paranormal show. Um... In the end, when shit is going down, there's no fucking way they would get those shots. Those shots so perfect. I drop my camera and fucking forget about it and run for my fucking life. Like when, okay, we should have said this earlier. Spoilers. It's a week so, later. If they haven't watched yeah. it already, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Demon mom is coming at her. And I thought her her filmmaker friend was dead. I mean, I wasn't paying that close of attention. I thought he was dead. And all of a sudden, you've got this beautiful shot over the shoulder of Demon Mom and, you know, about to be Demon Baby screaming and losing her fucking mind. I'm like, that is a beautiful shot. There's no way that anybody would have stuck stuck around and got that shot. The first time they dropped the camera... They would have never picked it up again and then continue to get the perfect shot. No, uh, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Well, there was no like transition. <laughs> the, the beauty of the paranormal activity movies is they are putting the cameras in place to capture yes. paranormal activity. Yes. So it and, and the cameras are usually not in reach. They're normally like up on a wall or they're on an oscillating static fan. shots. Yeah. Yes. So it works, but like they also, these people in these other movies had time to build up to it. You can't tell me that these kids go into like track her family lineage or whatever. In the um, fucking, what are they called? Uh, The movies that aren't real movies. Documentary, indie documentary kid in school. Yes, continue. And and like (laughs) everything goes from zero to 100 and yet they're like, let's just film everything for what? purpose like they don't there's not a single moment where any of them says we need to make sure that this gets out like we need to show people what we experience like they don't even the reason i continued filming throughout this whole thing was because i will get into sundance something not like anything but yet they they went as far out of the way and the part that i i i actually paused the movie and un, and uh <laughs> and debated turning it back on because I paused the movie I watched it at like 11 and at midnight on uh, Thursday night when I watched it the new Limp Biscuit or uh, on Saturday the new Limp Biscuit album came out so I paused the movie listened to the 40 minute album and then went back I almost didn't 
press play again because it was the scene where he's showing the Amish kids the super slow-mo the camera can do. And I was like, I, I, I hope this doesn't come back into play later. I pray to the heavens that this doesn't... And of course, when does it come back into play? Oh. When they're getting chased by the fucking demon lady and they oh, slow yeah. it down. Oh yeah, Matrix like, style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh. when she's filming green, you know, the standard ghost adventures, the camera's green... They played it off like it was her fucking cell phone. Mm-hmm. You don't have... There is no cell phone that has an IR camera on it. Stop being stupid, Hollywood. It's it's insane. Like it's, I have that new camera. <laughs> I have that new phone. There is no IR on here. I would be very excited if there was. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's an app somewhere that you can do something like that. But again, like there was no attempt to like even when they were looking back at the footage of the face behind her they weren't looking at it on a laptop on like an editing software they were looking at it on an iPad that was acting as like a monitor yeah so how are we watching this movie that was seemingly cut together were we just supposed to like suspend disbelief and be like this is just the style the filmmakers chose to shoot this movie in Maybe because we're filmmakers. Well, I use the term for myself loosely um, because we, we just read far too much into it. Maybe the average Joe who works at, you know, an HVAC place, maybe he buys into it all. I'm still calling bullshit, but I, I, I don't yeah. know. I feel like... I, f- I feel like I can agree with that up until the final 10 minutes whenever we go from being in the car with the kids to then all of a sudden being on the dash cam with the police. Yeah, It's like, are we just kind of like hopping? Oh, yeah. Where were the fuck? I mean, if, so the oh, spoilers, the kids get away. The, the two them. get away. <laughs> and where would they have gotten the dash cam? You're absolutely right. Yeah, they leave and then we switch perspectives and the cops show up and then like they're tele the guys the main Amish is telepathic now and he can make people shoot themselves like well, what? <laughs> I was I was in the benefit of the doubt. I was like, well, maybe the demon will take her brother instead. I mean, it was a total girl power movie. Only females yeah. can handle this demon because they are so strong. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. This is me doing the jerk off. Thing with my hands, those that aren't on Patreon right now. But I don't know. I just, I mean, they tried way too hard. Yeah. Way too it, hard. It was like trying too hard for people who had no idea what they were trying to, to make. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, Blair Witch, the first paranormal activity, just beautiful, found footage movies i fucking love them so much i mean i'm a reality paranormal show junkie i mean i i'm not going to deny it so that i love that shit but it can be done well and then it could be done like oh i only know how to film like a real movie and not documentary style so yeah yeah it definitely it definitely felt like someone who who just didn't really understand how to translate it and make it work and was trying to make something like polished and pretty and that's not that that has never been the found footage genre from the the 
even before Blair Witch, when there are a few movies in the 90s um, and even late 80s that used that sort of fake documentary style, they were never polished. They were never pretty. They were they they were believable because they were so raw and unfiltered mm-hmm. and real. I don't need something that's super pretty looking. Like yeah. this is the one genre where it's like, let it be loud, let it be glitchy, let it yeah. the camera do this, let it drop let people... the fucking camera and hear what's going on in the background, but you can't see it because it's the perfect yeah. kind of movie for it. Yep. Yeah. Oh Lord. So yeah. What a disappointment. Skip it, guys. Just saying, skip it. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. What a what If a you've shame. got the time, go watch number one again. I kind of want to go ahead and do that. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, even one of the the later ones or whatever, the when they kind of like soft rebooted the franchise with, uh, I think it was called The Marked Ones, with the Hispanic family. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, that one was was fun. That was a, a rowdy one. Um and the ending was was very interesting, and it's hit or miss. Some people loved it, some people hated it. But it, I, I enjoy. I even liked that one because it still felt very like iPhone home movie, yeah, sort of thing. Oh, very cool. But this was not it. This was not it. So I've got something very interesting that happened to me over the last week. Do you have a sec? I mean, I have an hour. So I got a a FaceTime call from KJ. And she's in like some random warehouse somewhere. And she found this box, which is sitting right next to me. So if you're not a Patreon member, you are not going to be able to see all the cool stuff that's in this box until I investigate it. And she's like, oh, my God, it's this box. And it, the Pope sent it, and it came from the Vatican, and there's this in it, and there's that in this, and creepy, and stuff, and things, and I just go, I want it. Whatever, if this <laughs> this box has been sitting in like a Christmas tree storage room, uh, this was sent to us by an anonymous donor, so this is the beginning of Kitsy's Haunted Museum is where I'm going with this, not really, but... um. So and she's taking everything out of the box and showing it to me and showing me dates and and she's like it, everybody just is so creeped out by it. I said I want it. Find out a way that I can have it. So I have it. It's sitting here next to me. So instead of telling you um, how, how exactly that FaceTime call went down, I'm just gonna pull the things out pretty much in the order KJ did to me on my call. First and foremost, this box came from the Vatican, not the cool Pope now, but the last Pope. And there's a photocopy of an article from the University News. I'm gonna put on my glasses, it's trying to look young and it's not gonna happen. A tale of sound and fury signifying exorcism is what this article is. And it goes in deep into uh, the Roland Doe case, which is what the movie The Exorcist was based on. Uh-huh. So, and and I was like, cool, maybe there's some haunted shit in there. And then we'll, we'll skip this one till later. And then she pulls out a, a creepy altar boy doll it looks like what it's a the... Playmobil toy. Okay. Yeah. Which is fine. It's got the little Alter Boy stuff on. I did check. 
it's smooth like Ken down there. Um, and then she takes these out. They are... Oh, like a chalice? A chalice. Yes, it's a chalice. And it's got weird little stamps into the bottom of it. So, oh, yeah. Like handmade. Yeah. Oh, this one doesn't even look as handmade as the next one. The next one's the one that all the energy is in. It's not bad energy. It's just energy. A second chalice. What? Yeah, and you can tell that shit's homemade. It looks like I just whipped oh, that yeah. off the pottery wheel right yeah. there. Um, and then a brick from St. Mary's, Arizona's first hospital, Tucson, 1880. It says Sister Anne Lucy on it. Wow. Got plaque on the brick and everything. Yep. And then the piece de resistance. This, I don't know what it is. It's in like a little resin plastic thing. It's for the the listeners. It, it, I thought it was a gold coin at first. Yeah. Um, it looks more like a rivet the more I look at it. Like you'd see on jeans or something, but just like times 500. It's, it's about the size of... It's bigger than a coin, probably about the uh, bigger than a quarter, probably about the size of a silver dollar. And it says Alexian Brothers Hospital uh, engraved there. And then down at the bottom, it says 1866 to 1968, Chicago, Illinois. And I'm like, Alexian Brothers. And I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking of the Nexium cult. That's what came to mind. Um, and then this flag. This is like a full-size flag. I don't know that I'll even be able to show you it. Um, that is an Alexian Brothers flag as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's huge. So, yeah, all this was in the box. And, and I'm just telling KJ, I'm like, I want it. Get it to me. I don't care what you have to do. Blah, 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 blah. And she pulls it off. So I'm showing this stuff to Chris last night. And I'm like, Alexian Brothers. Okay. What am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? And I start looking at this article again, which, again, just a photocopy of a, a news article from 1981 in St. Louis, Missouri, talking about the exorcism of Roland and or Robbie Doe, because there's all the names on the internet. Mm -hmm. And it was actually in the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis when they finally were able to release the demon, so to speak. Oh, so the demon was released in that hospital. Yeah, not that one. It was the one in St. Louis. So I did a little research on the Alexian brothers. It's part of the Catholic Church. Uh, they try to help sick people in need, which is, a, you know, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. But I was so hoping that little coin slash rivet thing was from the St. Louis... <laughs> hospital you have no idea but i own things that the pope has touched but it's just so random super and it was sent anonymously it was sent to the anonymous donor who gave it to me 
Oh, okay. Yes. So I'm going through this box yesterday once I finally have it in my hand. Why the fuck would the Pope send this to anyone, anonymous donor or not? I have, right. it's just like random shit that was like laying around the Vatican. So I'm picturing, you know, the housekeeper for the Pope going, oh, Mr. Pope. I don't know how to do accents. What should I do with this chalice? And he's like, ah, we're going to send it to blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And he's going to love it. Or as I'm looking at everything so intently last night, I bet these were all like re-gifted by the Pope. Like shit people bring to the Pope. Oh, I'm sure. That it's is literally a logical. A box of re-gifts. Yeah. That is a logical thing to me that it would be like, they're like offerings of sorts. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, I have to bring the Pope something. I'm going to bring him this brick or this creepy little altar boy, you know. Yeah. So the goal long term is to investigate it. Um, KJ kept saying there was like a 1600s date on one of the chalices. I can't fucking find it so i'm gonna have to have her tell me where that's at i don't when think i have to like old. the new goal is to connect everything like connect the altar boy to the chalices and the chalices to the flag and the yes. flag to the coin and everything to the article like now you have to play that game where you have to connect yeah. the dots and figure out if there's something something else and how, why did this box find me is what i really want to know why did the universe bring me this box of Pope shit? <laughs> it's very interesting. So, yeah, I'm super excited to kind of, uh, you know, set the spirit box up and see what we get and see if there's any, you know, energy attached to it. Maybe, you know, said Pope that it was, that regifted it will come through. Who I won't understand the damn word he says because they speak Latin. Am I right? <laughs> Need a spirit box and a translator. Right. <laughs> That's so intriguing that it's just so bizarre, stuff. right? Yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't wait to share. Um, I was. <laughs> I told KJ, I'm like, oh, this this is going on oddity file. She's like, let me know when it's up. I'll listen. So, <laughs> and, I don't think it was sent in said Staples box, but you never know. It just wound up in said Staples box. Yeah, for sure. So. Very cool. I am like one degree of separation away from a dead pope now. There you go. Like I said, I mean, or like you said, hopefully you can communicate with uh, a, some form of pope one way or another. Yes, or whoever you know gave him to the pope. Damn it, that was for the pope. What are you doing with that? Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> that belongs to me. That belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, because apparently the St. Louis Alexian Brothers Hospital is not standing anymore, nor is the Chicago one. Uh, there's a couple Alexian Brothers hospitals in the burbs of Chicago. And uh, yeah. So apparently they were all over the place, and but it was driving me nuts. I'm like, why is that name sticking in my head? And I'm like, no, I'm just thinking of the cult. And then I actually read, well, I looked closely at the article. Did I read it? No, absolutely not. But um, I'm like, oh, snap. I know what it is. 
So funny story. I was watching something. I think it was uh, a Discovery Ch- uh, Discovery Plus documentary on the actual exorcism of Roland Doe, and apparently one of the priests ended up with the demon attached to him. They ended up locking him in a room and he died at the Alexian Hospital in St. Louis. Oh. Yeah. Plot twist. That that is a plot twist. That's super unfortunate as well. Yeah, yeah. They kept it all hush-hush. I mean, the Alexian brothers never even talked about the exorcism because they were worried about um, the boy, the publicity that the boy would get for it, which is nice. Plus, also, I've never thought, like, this thought hasn't crossed my mind before until you just said that, where, like, I feel like if a lot of churches, priests, etc. are responsible for exorcisms, possessions, things like that, that's a pretty obvious group that would strive to keep things secret and quiet and hidden more so than I probably think the U.S. government would, because... If things get out um, and become public knowledge, it could cause a lot of people to question their faith. And if people question their faith, then you kind of create a ripple effect as far as financials go, yeah, church attendance, things like this. So I, I feel like there's like maybe there's an Area 51 of, of religion. Ooh. Religious yeah, groups. Of course it's going to be in the basement of the Vatican. Oh, absolutely. With all the That's... gifts the Pope gets. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> that would be amazing. What a great movie that would be. It's oh like National God. Treasure, but the Area 51 in the basement of the Vatican. Fuck yeah. Can we get Tom Hanks and, and do like a Da Vinci Code style shit? <laughs> oh, my God. I would love it. You got to think that. It probably is. Probably is some stuff that's been hidden. I want to go uh, to there now, whether it exists yeah. or not. <laughs> oh, it exists. Uh, I'm so confident. How was your Halloween? I know this is two uh, weeks later for you listeners, but I really want to know. It was it was okay. It was um, very last minute. I just wound up bringing like a little monitor out on my porch and played Hocus Pocus. Oh, yay. But kids these days, no respect. <laughs> Okay, Rodney, chill your tits. I, <laughs> I texted Jackie, and it was, uh, we didn't have the best candy, but I'm not fixing to go spend like $80 on these kids who've never done shit for me in my life, you right. know? But uh, I didn't have great candy, but I had it enough to like probably last another hour. And then some kid walks up, and I have a handful, uh, probably like three pieces, and I'm like, here you go, happy Halloween, hey, hey. Yeah. And he just, like, comes in and just smashes his hand in the bowl. And just, like, a claw machine just takes as much as his little paw can fit and just shoves it in his thing. And I'm like, I just got shook dry by some (laughs) eight-year-old. Where were his parents? Just sitting there watching. Oh, my God. This is what's wrong with the world today. (laughs) It's just like, what are you doing? And he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And his parents gave no fucks, obviously. No, his parents were like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. that's it. Now I got to go inside. Thanks a lot. Uh, 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 he took all my Ruined candy. for the whole neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah Literally. Oh, yeah. God. I went trick-or-treating with the grandsons, and Abe is the perfect age. He's five, and 
every house. He's like, Halloween is my favorite holiday. <laughs> I got all the treats. And he was just having the best day ever, no doubt. So he was a dragon ninja. And nice. um, baby Hayes was Mike Wazowski. And mom was, oh, God, what's the big blue one's name? Mike Sully. Sully, yes, yes. Yeah. Or Sully, not Mike Sully. He's like my favorite Disney carrot monster ever. Um, yes, so it was super cute. And um, Zach, my son, he's a runner. So he had on, like, black uh, jogging shorts and a black, you know, super tight shirt like runners wear and then he had like this thing he wears over his face when he runs in the winter so he was ninja dad it was super cute oh there you go that's great yeah i I have to know because there were a lot in our neighborhood were there a lot of people that just put buckets on the front porch and just said take one Yep. So many mm-hmm. or at the end of their driveway. Some of them were still sitting outside. I, I don't know if you know this, but Bloomington is like, we still have a mask mandate, but we are the mm-hmm. healthiest city in the state of Indiana. So they're going to mm-hmm. keep it. So I, I I figured it was because it was Bloomington, but maybe Florida's worried about the COVID. So I can't imagine they are, but... <laughs> It was it was here as well, and it is sort of and still is like the Wild West here. But I feel like I feel like twenty twenty one was still not, uh, still is not, and hasn't been a great year. So I feel like everyone's just trying to ride the Christmas wave and just hold out a little longer until yeah. you know November first, which hit, and now everyone's like gonna get bit by the Christmas bug because it brings us joy. Halloween is uh, my Christmas, so every day is Halloween for me. The same. But the actual date is my Christmas. <laughs> um, I'm the kind of person that waits till after Thanksgiving to put the tree up. And then while it's up, I'm like, oh, my God, this shit is everywhere. <laughs> I worked retail for a few years, so I was like not into the Christmas thing for a while. And then over the last few years, I feel like I feel like late 20s, it just hits you. And you, you know, I'm like, I love Christmas now. <laughs> I think it's going to sound really fucking old right now. I think it's your generation, Nick, because my daughter-in-law is the same way. She cannot wait. I'm sure she's put up her Christmas tree today, if not yesterday. I just see it as, oh, my God, I have to fucking shop. Oh, my God, this Christmas has puked all over my house. It won't this year. We're actually getting the house ready to sell over the next couple months. But yeah, so it's it's not my favorite holiday. I love the I love the day when all the kids are here and and I make a big yeah. breakfast casserole, but everything leading up to it. Nope. Yeah. It's uh I feel like that like Halloween for me growing up it was the best. It was like my favorite. Yeah. Because we always did stuff. We had like a little haunted house in the driveway when I was in high school that my friends and I would put on together and it was a hit in the neighborhood, and then like, you get older, and I'm just like, what it like, what do adults do on Halloween? Like, I watch horror movies three out of the seven days of the week. Yeah, I listen to like weird, spooky music more than I would like to admit. <laughs> um, I'm just like, what do I do? I don't go to Halloween parties because when I'm there, I'm like, we're all grown adults. 
that chose to dress up for a purpose, like especially coming from the convention space. Oh, it's like yeah. it's cosplay. I can do this anytime. <laughs> I could do this anytime and have more of a purpose than like going to a party with, you know, 20 friends and we're all dressed up and it's like, great, we all look like idiots. Congratulations. But at a convention, you go and it's like there's a sole purpose of like you want to get, you know, we want to be a part of it. You want to take pictures with people. You want to do this. But just like friends in a in a room all dressed up. I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, look, there's nine of us as Ted Lasso. You know, it's like. I need to watch that fucking show because everybody on my timeline, men and women, were all Ted Lasso this year. Yep. Um, it's a hit. My, I did see that Indianapolis, I don't know who threw it or who went or anything like this, but there's a big masquerade party on Halloween. Oh, see, that's fun. See, that is like Halloween night goals. Oh, like the Hocus Pocus, like town hall party oh, with yeah. all the grown-ups? Yeah, I would be there in a minute. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Or like like but. full, well, not actually eyes wide shut, but that style <laughs> where, you know, you've got the gowns and the fancy hair. You know, nobody dies or anything. <laughs> no, mur- no, no murder or, or-, or orgies, but everything Correct. else you're down for. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So that's my goal someday is to throw one fucking hell of a masquerade party. I just, I feel like we've missed each other so much because we're 40 minutes in and haven't even touched uh, Paranormal in the News. Son of a Stories. Bitch. Oh, oh. It just feels like <laughs> I should probably. What did I do? Okay. What did you do? I what happened? Know. I keep trying to downsize my screen on Zoom, and I forgot you can't do that anymore. So Wait, you can't? No. You, well, at least I can't. But shit mm. goes crazy for me. Guys, Jess hasn't sent me an astrology <laughs> report in a couple weeks. I'm not going to bother her. She has been dealing with some tax stuff and all the stuff and all the things. Hopefully, she'll be back. I'm probably going to reach out next week and just say, hey, are you okay? <laughs> I see you're posting on um, all the socials, though. So she does give daily astrology reports if you want to check them out there now if we if she doesn't come back and we have any astrologers listening tweet at a bitch um and let me know just putting that out there jess i miss you and i hope you come back anywho let's move on to paranormal in the news (laughs) speaking of twitter i found this on george knapp's twitter he is the man the myth the legend is it paranormal no but it's really fucking cool So World War II ghost ships rise from the Pacific after a volcanic eruption. Mm. Mm -hmm. The ships were brought up by the rising seabed around an underwater volcano. Seismic activity from an underwater volcano, really? Volcano near Tokyo has raised two dozen ghost ships sunk after one of World War II's most famous battles. You know those fucking ships are haunted as fuck. 100%. Helicopter footage from Japan's All Nippon News, or ANN, captured the 24 ships washed ashore on the western side of the island of Iwo Jima, which is roughly 760 miles south of Tokyo, after they were pushed up along with the seabed by underwater volcano... (laughs) Fukutuku Okobnaba? Sure. 
U.S. forces sank the ships during the Battle of Iwo Jima in 1945, one of the most bloodiest battles in World War II. The 36-day assault saw roughly 70,000 U.S. Marines fight around 20,000 Japanese soldiers hiding out in bunkers within the island's volcanic rocks. So there you go. I could, you know, give you more history about World War II, but... Uh, Iwo Jima is part of the Bonin Islands, a chain of roughly 30 subtropical islands in the Pacific Ocean created by subduction of the Pacific tectonic plates below the Philippine Sea Plate. So it is very prone to earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. However, this is the first time that 24 ghost ships have just floated up from the bottom. What do they do? Where do they go? What do you? What do they do with them? I sink them. Don't know. Um, I feel like they would probably resink them. I would think they would take them out and put them in fucking museums. They yeah. I mean, dock. They could probably dock them somewhere on like yeah non-commercial like private docks that someone would take it in. But it's like that one. You know, uh, the story you or the news that you told a while ago. Months and months and months ago, about them sinking that boat, the the it was like the museum for yeah. a while, and they sunk it. Yeah. Apparently, the island of Iwo Jima is un, it is not, it is uninhabited, uninhabited, and rarely visited by civilians. P- partly as a result of the enormous quantities of unexploded bombs and grenades left behind on the island. I mean, that's the perfect reason why not. But by that means that the ships are unlikely to be... I'm sorry. Meaning that it is unlikely that the ships will be cut up for scrap or removed by Japanese authorities. So they're just going to leave them. Oh, because they would have to... Uh, I guess where they're they're located is they would have to be the Japanese that do something with them. So I guess they will just leave them. Yeah. I mean, I mean how cool would no that There's probably no pollutants. Be? If they're not like, if there's no fuel, they're not really pumping anything, any bad stuff into the ocean. Mm-mm. So if they're just floating, just let them do their thing. But if 24 ghost ships can rise up, what else could rise from beneath you one know, of these days? You know, sounds a little apocalyptic or um, end of days to me to be perfectly honest but gonna awake the beast the megalodon yeah (laughs) megalodon forever (laughs) so there you have it kids I just thought it was super interesting and I would actually like to take a boat out to said ships and investigate them Hmm. that'd be great I would love that I would love in Oddity Files, uh, Paranormal Crossroads of ghost ship investigation. There you go. There's got to be one on American soil or American water. <laughs> <laughs> That's on top of American sand <laughs> yeah. and reef. There's got to and- be. <laughs> be amazing. Oh, yeah. So I think I go first this week. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Mine's super quick. Um, because Nick said he had a long one and I'm going to hold him to that. And I've been researching (laughs) locations to, I can't tell you any more than that. I've been researching haunted locations in Indiana and I, this is one I've always wanted to know more about. 
The ha- this comes from the CEShop.com and Freaky Nights at the French Lick Springs Hotel in Indiana. Yes, we have a French town Lick? called French Lick in Indiana. <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. We do. <laughs> Um, Sounds like a. <laughs> it's actually, isn't it where Larry Bird is from? <laughs> I don't know. I I really think it is. If I'm wrong, you know, tweeted a bitch at Kitsy Duncan. <laughs> so if you're looking for an eventful and not so restful overnight stay, <laughs> the haunted French Lick Resort in French Lick, Indiana. How many times can they fucking say French Lick? Okay, <laughs> we get it. Indiana is just the hotel for you. If you're willing to take a paranormal risk, and you know we are, you might as well do it in a world-class resort equipped with two spas, three golf courses, fine dining, and a casino. A land-based casino. <laughs> it's a big deal for Indiana. You, should, you have to be, used to have to be on water. Um, this historic establishment, part of the much larger French Lick Resort Casino Complex, and it's known today, as it's known today, was built in the late 19th century and hosted big wigs such as Al Capone, Bob Hope, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and Duke Ellington. What a combination of people. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they all had dinner together, because that would be fucking magical. Am I right? Yeah, it would. Despite the big name, names that have frequently stayed here and the luxurious experience the hotel offers, much of its popularity stems from its reported paranormal activity. And that's why I'm telling the fucking story. We can explore the history of the building and share its ghoulish tales. The story behind French Lick. The hotel was built in 1845 by Dr. William Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S, and owned, yeah, and owned by Thomas Taggart. At the time, the property was a great symbol of progress and growth for Southern Indiana, which it's, it's a little rednecky right now. Over the years, French Lick kept luxury at the forefront with additions like a golf course, custom road trolleys to transport guests, and a soothing spa. Unfortunately, the French Lick has also weathered rough times, including the stock market crash, structural failures in areas of the building, and tragedies? Oh, tragedies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck me. Tragedies to both staff and guests. Like most hauntings, <laughs> these tragedies are believed to be the source of the haunted spirits that roam the grounds to this day. According to reports, Taggart himself, the owner, way back in the old-timey days, remains as dedicated to the French lick now as he was back in 1845. His spirit is rumored to be haunting the service elevator, where guests and employees claim that they've seen unexplained mists or unexpectedly smelled Taggart's tobacco. The elevator has also been reported to run between floors in the middle of the night when no one is using it. But that isn't the only spot the former owner visits. 
Taggart was known for riding his horse into the ballroom during the many parties he threw at the hotel. I really think I would have enjoyed hanging out with Mr. Taggart. Mm -hmm. Some say they've heard the sound of a horse trotting down the hall. Staff members also claim that they can hear the voices of ghostly guests throwing a party in the ballroom, and they receive calls from empty rooms in the middle of the night all the time. Taggart is not alone in spooking hotel residents. Housekeepers occasionally find blood-red stains in a bathtub used by a jilted bride to commit suicide. Okay, that's fucking terrifying. On the sixth floor, there are unexplained cold spots, prowling shadows, phantom footsteps, and spectral laughter. Oh, and snap a picture of the bellhop stand if you feel a prickling at the back of your neck. You may be rewarded with the ghostly image of a former bellhop still at his post. The French Lick Resort is a peculiar haunted place, and its ghosts seem more interested in helping the guests than haunting them, and much of the strange activity can't be accounted for. Regardless, if you're looking for a fun night out or simply want to entertain your clients after a long day of viewings, the French Lick Resort has plenty of amenities to offer guests both living and and dead. Mwahahaha. Oh, I thought it said who wrote this at the very bottom, but it didn't. Oh, this is by the CE Shop team. Written October 16th, 2020. I did not write oh. that um, witty banter, if you will. So I have stayed at the French Lick Hotel. Most of the hauntings are at the West Baden Hotel, which mm. is the older of the two buildings. Uh, the Chris and I had lunch at this special little house that it's like a little mini mansion on the golf course, which is legit fucking haunted. They wouldn't tell me it was, but I said, may I wander? And they said, yes, you may. And oh. all the feels in that building. So check it out. That's amazing. French Lick, Indiana. French? Do they have a cocktail called the French Lick at the bar? Oh, I bet, I bet it's a shot with Jaeger mm. and uh, all those drinks we were talking about the other day. <laughs> just It's just straight Jaeger with like a flower petal on it. Oh, God. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. A lavender. There you have it, kids. Uh, let's throw it over to commercials and we'll let Nick have the long one this week. Oh, that sounded so dirty. Just commercials now. Like the idea of an escape room, but don't want to leave the house? <laughs> I feel ya. Have you heard of Hunt a Killer? It's this really neat concept, and it's delivered straight to your home. And you know what? They need homebody detectives just like you. After her sister Beth's death is declared an accident, Gwen needs you to help prove she was murdered. Sort through evidence, piece together clues, and catch the killer in this gripping murder mystery game. It's like an escape room delivered to your door every month. 
Find out why Bustle says a massive, intricate murder mystery. Does this not literally sound like a dream come true for any true crime fan? Or the Washington Post says it's not for the faint of heart. Is this calling your name? Does this sound like your jam? Head to tinyurl.com slash huntakiller promo to get your murder mystery sent to your door today. That's tinyurl.com slash huntakiller promo. Are you aware I wrote a book? <laughs> of course you are unless you're a first-time listener, I wrote a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People about my experiences at some of the most notoriously haunted locations in the world. Find out why Johnny G's Beat says, one of my 2020 favorites, or why Christina says, wonderfully written and exciting. Katie says it's one of her best reads ever. Corey says it's paranormal investigating with heart. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by me, Kitsy Duncan. Is it time to spruce up the place? Are those cobwebs not really decorations? Do you just need a change? Well, I've got the deal for you. Dot and Bow has so much to offer. Everything from just sprucing up the bathroom with new towels to light fixtures, living room furniture, bedroom furniture, even office furniture. They have everything from the top trends today, or maybe you're just looking for that haunted mansion type vibe. And I mean, same. Dot and Bow has everything you need. So head on over to tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Help out the podcast, spruce up the place, I mean, we don't want Aunt Susan walking in again this holiday season saying, oh, nothing's changed, do we? Do it now. Tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we, we talk about our pets all the time and we kind of love our pets a little too much just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee. They want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company 
you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bonescoffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shutter is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. One thing the pandemic has taught us is comfy is key. Am I right? You need to check out Fabletics. With styles for both men and women, whether you're working out while listening to Oddity Files or, you know, just hanging out on the couch watching something creepy on TV. And now, with this exclusive Oddity Files promo URL, which is tinyurl.com slash VIP, you can save 70% off of everything or get $12 bottoms when you buy two. Head to tinyurl.com slash VIP. New VIP members exclusive, 70% off statewide offer valid in select Fabletics products on the first order you place as a new VIP member and is subject to availability at fabletics.com. Offer cannot be applied to previous purchases or the purchase of gift cards and cannot be redeemed for cash. Offer cannot be combined with any other offer, promotion, or discount. Discount is automatically applied at checkout no promo code necessary. Just head to tinyurl.com slash fabletics VIP. Tell them Oddity Files sent you. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash fabletics VIP. And we're back. And still dirtier than ever. Dirtier, dirtier, dirtier. Oh, so I cannot wait to hear your story because I know you like you like to make them short. Um, I do. So the fact <laughs> that you kept this one long must make it super interesting. Well, you know, it's very rare. And we said this last week. It's very rare when we get a modern, current, very current story. And over Halloween weekend, I stumbled upon this article, which actually comes from the Huffington Post, the HuffPost.com. And this is a uh, a firsthand account written by a journalist uh, from the Huffington Post. Oh snap! And I love I love when I get to see paranormal stories infiltrate the news cycle. Yes, um, because it just gives that that credibility that's not on you know Newsweek or whatever dot com or or livescience.com this is huffingtonpost.com yeah. so uh this is this story 
was written by Selena Giovanni, and she is a writer for the Huffington Post. And this is that story. It goes a little something like this, because I forgot to add it to my story shit. Boom. As a child, my first brush with a ghost wasn't Casper or some other spook from a children's book. I encountered the real deal in the house we rented in Pennsylvania after my family immigrated from Kuwait. It was over a century old, essentially the size and strength of a wet shoebox, and was shadowed by an ominous oak tree in a rundown neighborhood. The timing couldn't have been more off. My father left for America when I was three years old, and my mother was pregnant with my brother. But my parents felt their sacrifices would be well worth the potential opportunities neither of them had been fortunate enough to grow up with. Several months after my dad settled in the U.S., my mom, my brother, who was just six months old, and I joined him. We began to hear rumblings around the neighborhood the moment our second-hand, beaten-up Buick crawled up the bumpy road to the curb in front of our new home. The house, the only rental we could afford, was larger than any of the apartment-like flats we'd had in Oman, Cyprus, India, or any of the other places we'd previously brushed dirt, but it was weathered, wizened, and falling apart. At first, my parents chalked up the peering eyes and hushed whispers to neighborhood curiosity, We were new and my mother didn't know a lick of English, but we soon learned that there was something else going on. (laughs) Even though I was very young at the time, I'll never forget the first encounter we had. One night, sometime after we'd unpacked the last of the few belongings we brought with us, I heard my mom calling for me from the landing that connected our rooms on the second floor. When I left my room and found her, she was turned toward the stairs. I'm here, I whispered. The light snapped out of my mother's face, came into focus from the doorway of my room. Her eyes were wide, her mouth agape. We heard a loud crash downstairs. An orchestra of metal clattered, and then silence. My mom didn't move. Seeing how scared she was, terrified me. Fuck yeah. (laughs) You see mama, and she's scared? You know shit's gone down. Suddenly, she pounded down the stairs. My dad, who had joined us on the landing, was right behind her. My curiosity and my fear for my parents' safety got the best of me. I slinked along the stairs, hovering close to the wall until I got far enough to peek through the rails of the banister into the kitchen. The doors to cabinets and the drawers gaped open. Silverware was scattered everywhere. Pots and pans were strewn across the kitchen floor. Hashtag goals. Someday. You would. You would. (laughs) My parents scurried to check the doors and windows, but found them closed and locked. This was not a break-in, and there was no other plausible explanation for what just happened. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. It seemed whoever or whatever was living with us was just getting warmed up. We... (laughs) (laughs) We'd leave an object in one room only to stumble across it in another. Pots and pans would clang together in the middle of the night, but when my parents raced downstairs, the kitchen would appear innocently spick and span. Hmm. At first, they didn't want to accept that we were living with a ghost. We continued to look for other logical explanations for the activity we were experiencing, but there just weren't any. One day, my mom gathered her confidence and, using her fractured English to string enough words together, asked our neighbor if she knew anything about the history of our home. The woman leaned in conspiratorially. Yes. That's a 
That was a big word for me. And whispered that the previous owner had passed away inside of the home. The house had apparently been her pride and joy, and she'd been particularly obsessed with organizing her kitchen a specific way. I love her. We were officially spooked. I love it so much. Crazy. My mom began to pray every night after that. She would extract her rosary beads from a wooden tissue holder, roll out a red rug, and squeeze her eyes shut as she swayed back and forth in deep concentration. The musky scent of incense sticks burning from our kitchen wafted beyond the front door to the street. She believed that no evil would befall a house filled with prayers and praise for God. Because we were poor, moving simply wasn't an option, and my parents tried to face the situation with as much grace as they could, determined to make the best out of a circumstance we could not escape. Aww. Slowly things began to change for our family. My dad worked overtime and traveled more. My mom arranged her schedule around his so she could take a few jobs from the slim pickings she was qualified for. The unexplained incidents, however, continued. Sometimes a month would pass in between them, sometimes just a few days. Although those years were terrifying, I also learned many lessons that I still hold close to me today. As far as our ghost was concerned, I discovered that if I thought of her as a friendly older woman bustling about her kitchen in an attempt to bake us otherworldly other treats, she wasn't nearly as scary as when I imagined her as a witch trying to butcher us all with her favorite knife. Preach, sister. Preach. <laughs> this story was written for you. <laughs> it really, really was. This exercise in positive thinking didn't always work. We were living with an unpredictable supernatural entity, after all. But we never felt truly at risk of being harmed, and I learned that fear is only as powerful as you allow it to be. Mm -hmm. The ghost continued to make its presence known. We wanted to leave, but we could barely afford to pay our bills, much less move. As we began to meet our neighbors and they learned about what we were dealing with, they offered whatever support they could. There were, there were very few East Indian families in our area, so many of the people we befriended were curious about our past and our culture. They popped in to check on us, dropped off meals, and left our newspaper, which we subscribed to for the coupons, at the doorstep so it wouldn't get soggy in the rain. Aww. Until the day we rolled the Penske truck off the asphalt of our tiny street, the ghost continued to cause trouble. We were thankful to leave, mostly unscathed, and excited to have a new chance at life in a country we now understood much better. Although we looked forward to a fresh start in a place that hopefully wasn't haunted, we were heartbroken to leave behind our neighbors who had, who had so selflessly shared much of themselves, their resources, and their lives with us. We promised to keep in touch over time, and we did. In fact, nearly 20 years later, many of those neighbors attended my wedding and then my brother's. My family still talks about our very first home in America and the ghost that shared it with us. Although we would never say it was an ideal first home, it was where I first learned how good and kind and empathetic people could be. It's where our family rallied together and my parents showed my brother and me the value of hard work, sticking together, and love. And it's where I discovered so much about who I was and who I wanted to be. Aww, I love it so much. It's just, it was so positive and just wonderful. And again, this was, uh, it was such a beautifully and seemingly normal telling of a 
true ghost story. Yeah. And you just don't. You, there's a lot of stories that have theatrics from from someone who doesn't believe in that stuff. You see a lot of theatrics and stories, and you're immediately out. But this was a very real, beautiful story Genuine. of yes. Yeah, so, so I, I, I want to know more about the lady in her kitchen, and was she trying to tell them something, or is she trying to get them out? I, I, I don't know. I love the fact that the family stayed, and they just were just kind of like, you know, it's it's a little old lady. There's really nothing we can do about it, but eventually we'll be able to move out of here. <laughs> yeah, the layers to the story as well, like coming from from a country and just sort of fighting to survive and, and fighting to continue to push and, and keep a roof over your family's head and protect your family and be there for your family, but also deal with this, this supernatural element and yeah. still be like, we have each other and we, we aren't where we were. Like we are in a land of opportunity and that's where we are. And it's just such a, I don't know. It's, it's just, it was a unique story that, that we don't get to tell often yeah. on the podcast unless it's from our own listeners. So this was, this was a special one. Yeah, so. I love it so much. That is amazing. Speaking of listener stories, I need your fucking stories, people. I'm fucking yeah. serious. I need them. Now, please and thank you, or I will kick your ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's talking about me. For every time you don't send a story no. in, she's going she's gonna to beat the crap out of me on Patreon. One million (laughs) dollars. This subject was listener stories. The Haunted Rocker. It goes in to say, this one is a bit shorter, so read it slow. (laughs) We don't need to do that at this point. I know. And then she says, enjoy Nikki Kelly, Cool Ridge, West Virginia. As told to me, as told to me, by my cousin Debbie. Remember Denny? Debbie, for fuck's sake. Starting <laughs> over. As told to me by my cousin Debbie. Remember Debbie from the Hag in the Closet story? Mm. Back in the 1970s, my aunt Phil, short for Phyllis, used to have this old rocking chair that she swore was haunted. She used to say she'd walk into the room and the chair would be rocking of its own accord. There was no reason for the chair to rock, no breeze, no floor vibrations or anything. It would just start rocking. She never felt comfortable around it. She never felt like there was any evil around it. It just wigged her out. I haven't heard that phrase in forever. Nikki, thank you. I'm wigging, man. <laughs> Wig it out. <laughs> it just wigged her out uh, that the chair would rock all by itself. This went on for several years. Aunt Phil would tell others in the ch- that the chair was haunted, but no one believed her. They all just figured there was a logical explanation that the chair was rocking. Maybe it was sitting next to the radiator when the heat would kick on, the chair would rock, or someone had just come in from outside, so the wind had stirred through the house and started the chair moving. Maybe a large truck drove dr- down the street outside, they always found a way to explain it away. During the 70s, my cousin Debbie had been living with Aunt Phil and her family, but she and cousins Ava, I think it was Ava, it's been a long time since she told me the story, and Debbie has passed on now, were young adults and had just gotten an apartment together. Aunt Phil wanted rid of that chair 
and was tired of no one believing her about it. So Debbie and Ava offered to take it with them to their new place. Aunt Phil gladly sent them on their way with their free, quote, hard quotes, new rocking chair. At the new apartment, everything was going great. But after a while, both Debbie and Ava started to notice that the chair would move on its own. They'd walk into the room and it would be rocking. Not rocking like it was stirred by a breeze. It was an even, steady rocking as if someone were sitting in the chair and rocking it. They moved the chair to different places throughout the apartment thinking it thinking that wherever it was, there must be a breeze or some other sort of vibrations making the chair move. Soon enough, though, they just accepted the fact that someone they could not see was sitting in the chair and rocking back and forth. They had mentioned to some of their friends about this haunted rocking chair. Of course, their friends had to see the phenomena for themselves. So they invited them over to witness the hard quotes ghost in the rocker. Debbie said it was late in the evening and for whatever reason, they decided to turn the lights down low, I guess to make it creepier. There was still some ambient light from the street lights outside and a light left on in another room that filtered into the living room. But for the most part, the room was pretty dim. But how do you tell when the chair starts rocking if the lights are low? Well, someone came up with the idea to balance a quarter on the rung of the chair. That way, if the chair started to move, the quarter would drop and everyone would hear it. They made sure everyone was seated well away from the chair. That way, they could be sure that none present actually moved the chair. They all sat around for a couple of hours talking, and nothing happened. It was getting late, and a couple people wanted to call it a night and go home. Debbie and Ava convinced them to stay just another 30 minutes. They settled back down into the living room, again, well away from the haunted chair, and started talking again. Suddenly, there was a bright flash as if from a camera that filled the entire room. With the flash came the unmistakable sound of the quarter dropping to the floor. They scrambled to the light switches to turn them on and everyone stared at the chair. It was rocking. Now, Debbie never mentioned a flash in association with the chair rocking before, so I don't know why there was one this time. Perhaps the flash wasn't from inside the room, but from a streetlight outside burning out with a pop flash in the greatest example of perfect timing in the history of the world. I don't know. And to be honest, until I sat down to write the story, I never thought to ask her. According to Debbie, they kept the chair. They never felt uncomfortable around it, never felt like there was any malevolent presence or anything. It was just a neat old chair that rocked on its own. Wow. Wow is right. So good. What a Wow. What a crazy The light flashing bit is 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 wild and yeah. Well, I mean, I, like, what maybe it because it was so dark, you noticed the light this time or you know, I mean, do they always just right. have the the house lights on and weren't in the room with the chair when the lights were out? I don't know. It could go either way. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe that you don't see that energy if the lights are on, but because nothing was off. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. I want to know huh. all the things about that particular thing. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. How creepy. I mean, every, like, you watch paranormal investigative people on YouTube. Every, like, opener is like a rocking chair, rocking on its own. It's just fucking creepy. Yeah. But if there's no bad yeah. vibes, there's no bad vibes. Yeah. If everything's good, then, you know, just live it. Just just watch it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm picturing a mother of a young child died tragically. I don't know how. I don't want to get into all that because now it's just a sad fucking story. Guys, we appreciate you, every <laughs> single one of you. Um, send us your fucking stories, okay? Just do it. I want to thank all of you for listening every week, for all of you for sharing the tweets and the Facebook posts and all the stuff and being in the Facebook group. Find all the stuff Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. Huge shout out to our Patreon producers, Ryan Hoke, Doug Malden Locke, and Donald Blanche Flower. You know, you should probably be a uh, member of our Patreon page so you can watch the video of me un unboxing the Pope shit from earlier. Yeah. Yes. It's patreon.com slash oddity files. I am Kitsy Duncan. Weird is the new cool. And I <coughs> sorry. I'm choking on my spit. <coughs> and I'm and I'm Nick Floyd. <laughs> ghost on. Please don't die. I don't want to podcast with your ghost, okay? That would make for great podcasting. Wondering if your loved ones are around you? Wish there was a way to find out? Now you can. Introducing Paranormal Crossroad Spirit Sessions. In home, in person. Limited time only. Book now at ParanormalCrossroad.com. Thanks for listening. Head to flow.page slash oddityfiles for all things oddity files. Links to our merch, links to our sponsors, links to all the things oddity files. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you spreading the word. Please don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Again, all things Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. Theme music provided by James Grice. Edited by me. Take care. We'll see you next time. No, you won't. You'll hear us next time. Bye.